Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is time once again for another edition of the Curtain Call podcast. My name is Michael Beck, deputy editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Joined as always by one Mr. Jeffrey Benedict. Jeffrey, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. I'm recovering well. Recovering well from? From uh, yesterday, my Michigan Wolverines losing in the... uh in the NCAA tournament. Just had to get that out there. Just yeah. had to get that out there. It was bad. <laughs> uh, but as always, uh, we do have a special guest here tonight breaking down uh, Penn State prospects from Black Shoes Down, uh, Lando Landers Nolan. Lando, how are you? Doing all right. Michael, how are you doing? Um, I'm doing quite well. It's a sunny day out here on the West Coast. Uh, kind of got to just enjoying the day, I'd say. But uh it's always a great day when you can talk uh, football and talk some uh, Pennsylvania prospects, especially coming out of Penn State. I guess we could really just kick things off right at the top. Uh, Mika Parsons, that's uh, w- one of the more talented linebackers in the draft, kind of projected to be the top linebacker off the board. I- I- I'm just kind of curious, Lando, just off the top here, was his presence deeply felt when he wasn't uh, on the field last year for Penn State? Yeah, I, I I think Micah is a guy that he was he's so versatile and he's so uh, he's almost equally as important off the field uh, in terms of his passion and his drive to be the best um, as he is important on the field. Uh, you know, he can play multiple linebacker positions. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, Penn State has you know as being linebacker, you was able to sort of pick up the slack, but you're not going to be able to replace uh, the production that Micah, Micah Parsons can provide. 
when he gets into the NFL, where do you where do you see him positioning? Is he straight up middle linebacker? Do you think he's he's more of a sub package specialist who can also play every down? But what where, where do you think he really is going to shine? So so I I mean he really his closing speed, uh, you know his pursuit I think is really a strength of his, and he's just a ferocious tackler. Uh, so I think anywhere that he can be put where he's not going to have to cover too much. I think that's a, a area of need uh, that he needs to improve on is his ability to cover, and especially um, his ball skills aren't the best. Um, that's probably his only area that I can say in terms of weakness. So if he can go to a, a, a team that allows him to just kind of be rangy and, and go after guys and hit guys, I think that's going to be the best place for him. Now, Parsons, he tested uh, crazy at his pro day. Do you think that uh, helped cement his stock as one of those uh, top uh, top half of the first-round guys? Oh, for sure. Uh, it's been interesting watching different mock drafts because uh, he generally seems to be in that 7 to 15 kind of range, but then there, then there are some outliers. You know, I saw a draft the other day that had him going 29th. Uh, I've seen 27th, 23rd. Uh, but yeah, I think his pro day certainly helped. Uh, the, the thing with Micah though, is people already kind of know what he does. So he really didn't have anything to gain so much as if he were to disappoint, he would have uh, lost. I know that they were kind of scrutinizing a little bit of his, um, the, his direction, ability to change direction, like his shuttle kind of times were a little slower than people expected, but, uh, that doesn't really kind of speak to what he can do on the field. Yeah, it's a, the Steelers, Steelers, of course, have Devin Bush um, right now. And you, you of course, got to see Devin Bush play. Yeah. Uh, how would you compare the two of those? That's I, I mean, I think they're similar. I mean, Devin Bush was certainly uh, a stud at Michigan. Um, but to be honest, I was, I'm, I was a little surprised to see how well he, he played for, for the Steelers. Uh, I, I think... I think I think they have very you know similar attributes. I, I I was trying to think of when I was driving up to my family here today, of a good Steelers comparison for Micah. And you know my brother is a Steelers fan, and he growing up his favorite player was Greg Lloyd. And I really, for some reason, I think Micah really could fit that mold. Um, I think he'd be a great compliment to to Devin Bush though. Now. Parsons, he did have a, a little bit of off the field uh, concerns um, going back to last year. Is that something teams should be worried about, or is that something that uh, people think will get uh, kind of brought back in check? Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think, uh, given the way that those um, allegations panned out in terms of there, it's being smoke but not a lot of fire there, and they got dismissed. Um, I think that was. You know, Micah is a confident guy. He's going to bring attention, but he's not the kind of person that would, would do anything to distract uh, from the team. Uh, he He's not going to, uh, you know, he, his character, he does not have any character issues is what I'm you know trying to say. So I, I don't, I don't anticipate the allegations that were reported um, being a, uh, a habit uh, down the line. It's interesting hearing you compare, say, uh, he reminds you a bit of Greg Lloyd. Uh, 
Because I actually, I actually think he looks similar to a guy who played with Greg Lloyd in uh, Chad Brown, who mm. then you know <laughs> filled in for people. He was uh, as that kind of middle linebacker who has that playmaking. Let's go, you know, crack into people. Let's good hitter can mm. blitz. Uh, I I also think he'd be a great great fit with Greg Lloyd and with Devin Bush. Wow, and if uh if he manages to somehow fall to the end of the first round, I hope he's a Steeler. Um, do you do you think Parsons is more of a four three inside linebacker? Do you think he's more of a or a four three outside linebacker or more of a three four inside? You said he's not really a coverage guy. Uh. At, at this point, similar to Devin Bush wasn't the best coverage guy when he came out either. Um, do you see him being more attractive to a 4-3 team where he can, uh, where he would be able to either sit in the middle or slide out uh, side? Or do you think a 3-4 team where they can really pr- kind of protect him from coverage is, is a better way to go? So, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think 4-3 could work. I think, uh, you know, being a Giants fan, uh, I know that's an attractive spot for for me to get him because I think he could be a, maybe even a stand up kind of a rush guy. Uh, you know, when they when they said he wasn't a great cover guy, I think it's more of the ball skill side. He can stay with guys, um, so it's more about being able to track the ball. Um, so I I think I think a four three. I think he could work in either system, but I think four three uh, teams shouldn't be going into it feeling like they have to protect him like, like to use your words i don't think that okay. that's gonna be he's not gonna be a liability in that sense yeah so uh would it be fair to say that uh, linebacker you is alive and well at uh, penn state 100 percent. yeah just reloading you know uh, our next kind of you know we have brandon smith as kind of our next guy up um and we have some other great linebackers too but i think he's the kind of the next parsons sort of uh, following in the the vein of guys like Lavar and uh, you know Postblasny and Sean Lee, so <laughs> and on and on and on yeah, and on yeah. and on. <laughs> uh, Jeffrey, do you, exactly. Uh, Jeffrey, do you have anything else on uh, Mika Parsons uh, before we move on to the next prospect? Not on Parsons, no. Well, if you want to, next we can jump into uh, Jason Owe, um, the, the edge rusher, uh, of course. Um, of course, Penn State. More that uh, that forty front uh, guy with his hand down in the turf. Is he someone that could stand up and play outside linebacker? Yeah. Yes. Uh, I I think uh, you know I have a lot of cautious optimism about uh, about Jason. He's he. I, you know, my initial my initial reaction is I get Aaron Maben flashbacks when I look at him uh, as being a guy that's got great speed, great athleticism, you know, all those measurables. I mean, you saw his pro day, everyone was going nuts uh, with these numbers, but we expected him to have those numbers. I mean, maybe not to the, not the 40 time, not, not quite to that extent, but we knew he was going to test really well. It's just more of, I mean, he had zero sacks last year and that's something that a lot of Penn State fans are like, well, why are you going out? Why are you leaving school now? You get zero sacks. Uh, he's got the potential. So that's why I'm, I had the Aaron Maben comparison about him is you know Mabin was drafted what 10 uh, 10th I think Real high. yeah yeah very high nope and both with both the bills and the jets didn't really do a whole lot um and uh that that concerns me but I think again he's got the athleticism to to play outside if he needs to uh and he could develop into a solid defensive end 
Uh, but yeah, yeah. Right now, I mean, if I were a Steelers fan, I would not. I know that he he's projecting around that area, you know, where the Steelers could pick him up. I mean, rather I'd rather him go to Pittsburgh than Dallas, for example. <laughs> so. <laughs> Oh man! Well, around here we've actually had some uh, local Steelers sports talk people saying the Steelers are going to pick an outside linebacker in the first round, uh, which of course uh, we don't. That's not a big need, so that's kind of crazy. But if that were to happen, Jason Owe actually reminds me of a guy who just left Pittsburgh with his athletic profile, his rawness, but also on film he shows a lot of different uh, different things he can do. You know, he may not be putting up stats, but he does a lot. Can you tell us about how differently Penn State uses its defensive ends than like a place like an Ohio State where Chase Young could just rush the passer every snap and not have to worry about anything else? So, I mean, the thing that since when Sean Spencer is now, um, you know, in the, in the NFL uh, came in, they started really rotating their defensive, end, defensive ends and, and uh, tackles a lot. Uh, and unfortunately, the defensive ends have really had to pick up more of the slack, not just in pass rushing, but especially with uh, you know run defense, um, because the Penn State defensive tackles have not been a, an area of great strength for a while. Uh, so that's, I mean, that's really the defensive ends really um, have had to really kind of shoulder all the load defensively, not just provide the pressure, but um, be run stoppers as well. So. That's why you don't see those uh, 15 sack seasons um, by a lot of defensive ends for Penn State because they're rotating in and out, but they're also kind of playing double duty. Gotcha. Now, with Owe as well, what would you say his best attribute is? Uh, I mean, his his speed and athleticism uh, by far, uh, which again, I don't mean to sound negative because uh, I, I love him and I want him to do well, um, but I worry that that's his only that's his like his go to move because he knows he can get by anybody, um, but in the NFL there are always going to be faster guys. So <laughs> that's definitely a good but I think I think the speed and athleticism is definitely a strength. He's he, he's working on his his power kind of moves, um, but certainly his ability to chase down guys is pretty impressive. Yeah, he. Uh... When you look at the look at the range in the NFL of guys who come out like that, you have a guy like a Bud Dupree who ends up developing and having, you know, getting some pass rush moves and being a valuable pass rush. And you got guys like Jadavion Clowney, who is, you know, that level of athletic freak, but even bigger and mm-hmm. just doesn't seem to do anything with it. Uh how much how much risk do you see in OA? Is this a guy where like if he doesn't, he may not be a 10 sack guy, but he's gonna be a valuable you know, he's going to be a valuable guy out there who does a lot of different things for you. Or is there a chance he could end up just being a guy that you're just like, he he's, he's not really a football player. He's just a freakish athlete and we can't use him in the NFL much. I, so, so here's what I'll say. I, I think the teams that should look to draft him early would be teams that can afford to have him kind of learn more about the position kind of on the job. Um, Again, a team like the Giants who really needs someone to be a disruptor, they should not reach for OA until the second round. Um, so I think he's going to be productive no matter what. It's really, is he going to be that instant impact right away? Um, my gut is saying two, three, four years maybe, I think he'll start to really impress people. But 
I don't see him as being a, a year one kind of phenom. Um, so I think eventually he's going to be productive. It just depends on where he goes and kind of what other threats on that line or on the, you know, back front seven or back seven, you know, are uh, there along with him. Now, last thing for me on OA, but uh, Jeffrey, if you, if you have anything extra, you can add it, but um, you mentioned it earlier. He didn't have any sacks last year. Is that a concern, especially in the NFL? And typically that's where the guys make their money is if you break 10 sacks, probably means you're going to get paid a ton of cash. Do you think that that's a bit of a concern or is that something that we can uh, overlook? I, well, I mean, it's easy to say, well, the pandemic, um, that's part of the reason. I, I think, uh, you know, I've said this too, that people didn't know who he was uh, last year, you know, or in, in 2019, you know, when he really started to impress towards the end of the season. So I think teams kind of knew what he was about and did double team him a little bit. Uh, and that enabled guys like Shaka Tony and, and some of the other defensive linemen to sort of pick up the slack. And, you know, people will point out that, yes, he didn't have any sacks, but he certainly was productive. If you look at the analytics, you know, he was involved in uh, lots of the run, you know, run plays. And um, he certainly made an impact. It just wasn't the impact that people were expecting. I'm going to I'm gonna piggyback right off of that. You brought up Shaka Tony. Uh, and his pro day numbers are pretty close to Jason Owe's. They're not like that level of elite, but they're really good numbers. And he was the more productive pass rusher. He has been. Uh, he, I think he had more sacks than uh, Gross Matos uh, before uh, hmm. a year ago. Um, where, where did he right now? Like, you don't see him listed even in mock drafts. Like, he's falling out of, like, he mock drafts, he's, like, invisible to them. Where do you think he ends up going? So, I mean, I, early on, I saw him in, like, this three to four, third and fourth round kind of area. Um, I, I think that's a, a good spot. You, you mentioned it though. He's got similar skills to to Owe and to Utor, uh, you know, Gross Matos, but he's also got the size that um, Matos has, and I think that's a big benefit. And he's put up their production. I think he's got a slightly better ball skills, um, and he, he's. I mean, he's a, he's a complete player. I, I think um, you know, he's played more football than Jason has, which I think is worth thinking about. Uh, but I, I think the third or fourth round is probably right for him. Um, again, I know the Giants' fourth round, if they don't get a defensive lineman in the first round, maybe. <laughs> uh, well, to kind of grow on that as well, between Owe and Tony, who would you say is more likely to be a successful outside linebacker at the next level? Oh, uh, My gut would say... Oh, that's really tough. <laughs> I was about to say Owe, but I, I think either of them could do it. I, I would personally, I would like to see Shaka be successful on the line. Um, and I think Owe could learn the linebacker position. Uh, I, I just, I, I think because if Shaka has more experience on the defensive line, I think it'd be kind of silly to have him learn a, a new position um, whereas Owe hasn't played football as long as Shaka has, and I think he could adjust to it a little bit easier. So I, I would say Owe. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, but I will also say that if uh, Shaka Tony is there after is on the is still available after the Steelers pick in the fourth round, I will not be happy. Uh, we took 
Anthony Chicklow in the fifth round, for goodness sakes. We could take Shaka Tony in the fourth. Uh, I think I think he would – that athletic profile and what he shows on film, I, I would love him as a stealer, uh, start off as a rotation guy and, and just really have the chance to grow. That's a guy I, I actually really like, and I hope the rest of the league ignores him, but that's not going to happen with his pro day. Uh, I had a question, and I was saying that, and I forgot it. <laughs> um, did either of these guys, like especially Shaka Tony, was he a special teams guy at all at any stage of his career? Is he kind of a guy, because where he's kind of falling, he, he looks to be a player you know that's probably going to sit for a year, be a rotational guy for a year. Do that is is he a guy that you think would be a good special teams player? Does he have that kind of attitude and style? Well, I I actually recall I don't know if he's ever played special teams, but I definitely I mean he's definitely a team first guy. I think he would do whatever the team needed. Um, to as far as that, I mean, think about what Marcus Allen has done for for the Steelers. I think he could be in that similar kind of mode. Um, and uh, yeah, but I, I I'm. That's a good question. I don't think he ever played special teams, but I'm sure one of my colleagues could correct me, but I don't remember him, at least for the last couple of years, he didn't play special teams. No. Now, maybe we can just transition for a second here because I know the guy, a lot of Steeler fans want to talk about it and potentially the guy that's most likely to end up on the roster, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit of a trade up or trade back, depending uh, to make it work. The big tight end, Pat Fryermuth, one of the many tight ends nicknamed Baby Gronk across the NCAA. There <laughs> seems to be an infinite amount of those running right now. But uh, when it comes to being a pure tight end, potentially the number one guy, I know Kyle Pitts is the top tight end, but he's more of a super big he's a, receiver. He's yeah. Receiver. Yeah, he's a receiver. He's, he's a receiver that's like 6'6 and like 240. <laughs> just, just a freak. But like pure tight end, I'd say Fryermuth's probably the top guy there. Steeler fans and Steelers radio, like pretty much across the board, you're, we're hearing a lot of comparisons to Heath Miller. Would you buy that? Is that a good comparison? I, you know, I've I was I've been thinking since you know since I knew I was going to be on on your podcast, I've been thinking Heath Miller, Heath Miller, Heath Miller. That's <laughs> all. I mean, that's all I think about. Um, of course, you guys were lucky enough to have uh, the outlaw Jesse James for for a while. Um, yeah, I no, I th- I think. Free Moose, as as we call him, uh, you know, he's a great comparison to Heath Miller. I think he would provide that exact um, skill set. I think his ability to block has been really. It's interesting watching the comments about people questioning his ability to block, but he's a great blocker. I mean, I, I think he's got that's that's why he's the as you said he's the complete tight end. So I I think he'd be a great red zone threat uh, for the Steelers. I think he's got good athleticism and he's a solid blocker as well. One of the things, because uh, we're we're looking at the Steelers just turned over the offense to Matt Canada, um, mm-hmm. and he uses a lot of H backs, a lot of motion yep. with tight ends. Uh, and I I've watched I've watched Freer Moose film, but I'll let you answer. I'll let you tell us: uh, Is he a tight end who stays in line? Is he a slot guy? Is he a, a, an outside guy, or is he a guy that moves around, plays in the backfield, does all that stuff? What kind of tight end is he? Oh, he could, yeah, he definitely could play uh, all over the place. Uh, I think uh, he he's he was used um, more so uh, the last year or so. He was more used as a t- kind of traditional tight end, but he but he could definitely move around and play that H back role. And uh, I I don't think I I don't know if I was aware about Matt Canada coming. That would be a great spot for him. As much as I 
like the again, that's the last time I'm going to mention the Giants. But I, I'm I'm not happy that Kyle Rudolph is is. I was really unhappy to hear about that move because I I was I was seeing the Giants at what 34 I think in the second round. Mm. I think a really attractive spot. But... That would be a good spot for him. <laughs> Yeah, oh. I, I also I agree. I think he's gonna. I think he's he's fantastic. Uh, Penn State's used Freermuth as a lead blocker at times. Mm-hmm. Like he runs out, he he can do he can get it from everywhere. Yep. He he is fantastic, and he would be a great addition. Now, can, can you tell us about his hands? Like, is he a guy that's uh, if the ball just hits him, he's catching it, or is he like a a fifty fifty? receiver because we kind of have one of those guys right now and i know a lot of Steeler fans are kind of frustrated by that so can you talk about his catching ability oh he's got great hands i mean you just you could go to youtube and find the highlight rules of him making one-handed catches and no he's got terrific hands uh really penn state's been blessed with tight ends the last few years that i've had great hands ability which prior to that um it's been a long time before james came in really jesse james came in that they had a guy who could catch as well as – I guess we might have to go back even to Kyle Brady, I would guess. That's probably the last time before Jesse James who could catch the ball. And and Pat's another one who can – he's definitely a receiving tight end as well as a blocking tight end. Okay. Uh, how how fast is he? How much of a like receiver is a deep threat? Is he a guy that if you know, you're playing up on him, can he can he break a big play? Or is he going to get you know run down from behind? How how fast is Pat Freermuth? Because I know he didn't run at his pro day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he I, he's got decent speed. I, he's not a he's not Kyle Pitts fast. Um, but <laughs> four four a, today, right? Yeah, not not quite there. Uh, I don't know if he's like a four six four seven maybe. Um, I I feel like he's run sub four six before. Uh, he, he he certainly can can run away from guys. He's a little bit um, a little bit slower than I think James was at Penn State, um, but he's he can definitely run away from some from some linebackers for sure. Now, I, I know the Steelers typically kind of fall in love with someone from the from one of the Pennsylvania type teams, be it Pitt or Penn State, whomever, but. Do you think that's kind of the perfect fit for uh, someone coming out of Penn State uh, and landing on the Steelers team? It, it, would it be Furmuth, or could it be potentially someone else uh, coming uh, coming off this roster? I I mean I think when you're talking about like the Steeler kind of mentality, um, I think Pat's a great fit. Um, I think he definitely is the kind of work workhorse um, team first guy, and Shaka Tony as, as well. Um, you know, and not to say that guys like Micah or uh, or Jason Owe wouldn't be uh, good fits there. It's just you know a Steelers guy. You know, I think Pat Pat fits that mold. Um, so I, I think the Steelers would be lucky to have to have him for sure. I know we're getting uh, closer to the end of our half hour here, but uh, Penn State has several offensive linemen in the draft this year. Uh, are any of them? Worth anything? I know. I know they have the center, Michael uh, Manet. Uh, what, Will Fries. Uh, yeah. What What are your thoughts on the Penn State offensive lineman in the draft? So yeah, so Manet is definitely he's been kind of uh, more streaky. I I think he of of those of those two he's been the more consistent uh, lineman. You know, Fries 
is big, um, but he didn't really pan out quite the way that we were hoping for. I, I think, um, I, I think, I think both of those guys could be solid for someone, but I, I'm not anticipating either of them getting drafted. Um, I think they're they're going to be, uh, you know, undrafted free agents. But I, but I think that both of them could be, you know, maybe rotational guys. They're not at the caliber of say a Stefan Wisniewski um, or Connor McGovern are. Um, but they're they're not that far up from that tier. Now, uh, of these secondary type players as well, uh, Lamont Wade is a name I've kind of heard kind of starting to kind of climb up uh, some draft boards potentially. N- not necessarily like a sixth round, maybe a seventh round or undrafted free agent type guy, but is he someone you could see kind of stick on a roster and and make his way as a special teamer and maybe get some snaps here and there? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I think Lamont. I mean, again, Pittsburgh guy, so <laughs> there. I mean, there he's that going for him, but uh, he he's got again, he's got great athleticism. Um, he he's starting to do some nice work as a return man uh, this past year for Ben Zay, which he hadn't really done ever before. Uh, the the thing about Lamont, he, Lamont's a uh, he's got a lot of opinions. So <laughs> I think, I think if, if he kind of put his head down and just plays football, I think he'll be fine, which I think he can do. Um, but that would be my only concern would be his environment. Maybe. <laughs> um, I think he's, I think he's got the tools to be a, be a player. Uh, he definitely would have to improve on his coverage ability to be a secondary guy. Uh, but I think special teams would be a good fit for him for sure. Out of out of the guys who look, probably are going to fall either to the tail end of the draft and have a chance to go undrafted, uh, do any of them stand out of you as as like your favorite to have a good NFL career? Hmm, that's a tough question. Um, I, I mean, I, I think. Well, I, so Shaka, I mean, Shaka is moving back, you know, farther back. I, I would, I think he's got a shot. I, I think, I think Lamont White has has a, a chance uh, to really to uh, again because of his athleticism. Uh, you know, I, I it's uh, it's tough thinking about a lot of these guys because you, you don't really know. I mean, we've been, we've been burned before by lots of uh, you know Penn State offensive linemen and kind of other other positions. Um, but I guess I'll, I'll go with I'll go with Wade. Uh, I think um, if he kind of gets his head on straight a little bit, I think he could uh, develop into a productive guy. Now, as we approach the top of our half hour here, Jeffrey, I'm curious if you have any other uh, questions you want to shoot to Lando. No, I'm good. Beautiful, Lando. Before we let you get out of here, uh, give you an opportunity to, to plug anything you got going on or uh, anything from uh, from your website. Well, so, uh, you know, we're Black Shoe Diaries. Uh, we're Penn State's uh, SB Nation blog. Uh, we are just about to get started into our uh, pre-kind of spring game coverage, covering the, you know, previews for the position previews for the upcoming season. Uh, we getting more into our other off-season coverage. Um, and I personally do kind of mock draft roundups every couple of weeks leading up to the draft. So if anyone wants to check out those, uh, you can follow us uh, on Twitter at BSDTweet or a blackshoediaries.com. Awesome. Lando, thank you so much. Uh, appreciate all your time. All right. Thanks, guys. 
And for everyone that is watching right now on YouTube, on Facebook, uh, we uh, will flip over right now to the second part of our podcast so you can hang out and just hang tough. If you're listening on the uh, podcast side, be it Apple Music, Pandora, Spotify, you name it, it, wherever you get your podcast from, if you're listening right there, just click over to part two and uh, Jeffrey and I will continue on with uh, some of the Steelers news of the day. The break. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.